Welcome to the late August edition of Dr. Blackgrass On Air. In this program, we're going to be discussing cultivation and blackgrass control, specifically which type of cultivation and when to do it. First of all, we'll hear from Colin Lloyd, Richard Hull, Paul Drinkwater and Andrew Cotton for their thoughts on the best cultivation strategy. This was taken from the Blackgrass Live event, which took place in July. But the first voice you'll hear on the recording is from the grower, Malcolm Pate, who's asking a very pertinent question about cultivation. We've been speaking a lot about cultivations in this uh, section. It's still very confusing, I think, for farmers to know what to do. What is the best cultivation strategy to turn around your fields in the autumn to maximise future crop yield and minimise blackgrass? And what types of machine, if any, should we be using to achieve this? I think what we're going to do is go right down the panel and, <laughs> and, and see what, what answers you get from the different yeah, members of the panel. Great, yeah. Um, well, I'd have to say that from, from our point of view, the reset button has been the plough and then keep shallow for the next four years or however long it needs to be. And so I don't think there's much debate around that. You can compromise and use deep one-pass systems, but it does mean that you're going to need to drill certainly much later and maybe into the spring. But the deep one-pass needs to be set up in the autumn, even if you're drilling in the spring. And I think this is where you you can make most cultivation systems work, but you've got to have time to allow it to happen. And that's the unfortunate thing about it is that uh, and, and when you get a lot of comments saying, well, if I don't drill my land by the 20th of September, I'll never, ever drill it again, never, ever, never, ever. Um, I understand all of that, and I'm not trying to sort of say that there is a, a, a great golden bullet in this, but there are some core principles, and that is if, you, if, if the field is in an absolute mess, then really it needs to be ploughed and think of the next... Uh, rotate part of the rotation um, try and keep it shallow for the next four years but anyway it means the necessity of drilling later and I think that cultivation is just one part of it unfortunately it's directly linked to drilling date however we discuss this you can't honestly uh, go in with any, any drill system at the end of September on high black grass levels and expect a, a good result because I honestly don't believe I've, no, I've never seen it um, if people are doing it then, then great but it, it really means time so cultivation is important but then time Colin then moved on to discuss how winter barley fits in with black grass control over the years, I certainly have to say you know, that there's the, there's a, a big story around hybrid barley is more uh, competitive in black grass than wheat uh, I have to absolutely totally agree. There is no doubt about it. So the trials where you know, we conduct variety trials in black grass, uh, and you have to say drilled on the same beginning of October, um, the hybrid barley was yielding 10 tonnes a hectare in replicated plots compared to the wheat's average of five. You know, so it wasn't a matter of a slight increase. You're talking about a massive increase. Um, but, of course, when we did the same thing later in October, uh, the, com- the, the thing completely reversed. Later October, less black grass, so the wheat yields were there. So that's why we keep saying drill wheat later. But the winter barley yields dropped quite significantly. So there's no black grass, but the, the, the hybrid didn't enjoy going in later. So to me, the irony of it all, and I never thought I'd ever say it, on black grass land that's not horrendous, um, that actually if I was going to start drilling something at the end of September, it would be hybrid barley then I'd follow with wheat. 
and I didn't think I'd ever say that I'd introduce barley into black grassland, but I just have, so there you go. Yeah. Anything to um, uh, if, I was in the, if I was in a bad situation, I'm, I would go down the rotational ploughing route. The only thing I would add is, and, and to what other people have said, is you only get one shot. If you don't do a good job that first time round, you're not going to get the benefit of that ploughing for another three or four years. So ploughing, we know, will give you, will reduce the seed, black grass reduces in the seed bank by 70% a year. So if you can leave that seed down, you'll have 3% after three years, 1% after four years. So if you don't do a good job, and, and, and everything that everybody's been saying here, doing it at the right time with skimmers, everything's set up correctly, you're going to lose that chance, that ability to try and get on top of your problem. But yeah, rotational ploughing is the way for me. Well, I don't want to repeat what's been said too often, but I think whatever you decide to do, and you know you farm much better than we do, is to get your cultivations done early, get your seabed ready, and, drill as, and delay drilling as long as you dare. Uh, horses for courses, Malcolm. Uh, it depends on your soil types, depends on all manner of things. But I, I, as I've said before, you know, different farmers can make different systems work. And um, I think flexibility, really, I still come back to that. But of course, the flexibility can be expensive. Yeah. Gordon, have you seen any difference in efficacy? under different cultivation systems. So does straw lock up through Fenacet? Do cover crops lock up through Fenacet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, are there, is there any, are we creating problems when we think we're solving the, 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 the issue? Ah, good question. I mean, it, it goes right back to, uh, first of all, you know, the impact of the rolls and the seabed quality. I mean, undoubtedly, you know, fine firm seabed, we keep saying it, uh, that is the best for pre-emergence herbicide performance. Straw, we haven't really seen a major issue with straw. I know it, it looks horrific at the time, but you know, certainly something like Flufenacet doesn't bind onto straw. It's not something that sticks onto it. If it does go on the straw, I think it probably washes off and you know, it, it goes onto the soil surface. Um, then you're moving on to cover crops, and that's a totally different ballgame. And again, the photographs that people send to me, having drilled into a cover crop this high and covering the entire soil surface, will it affect the performance of my flufenacet? I admit we haven't done trials, but I'd be very surprised if it doesn't affect it. We've already talked about nozzles and setting up sprayers, getting your distribution, getting good even soil coverage. Uh, in that situation, it must impact the performance of any pre-emergence herbicide. So yes, you're right, all these things, cultivations, straw and cover crops can impact on performance of a pre-emergence herbicide. But to me, the cover crops is the one that frightens me most. So is that an area that we need someone within the, in, within the uh, industry to do some more work on? I, I, th I think the sort of photos I've seen, I think it's blatantly obvious that you can't expect a herbicide to perform pre-emergence if you can't even see the soil. But then the question, or that the people who are doing that would suggest that actually they're getting very good black grass control. So is that the system rather than the herbicide? No, I think the thing is if, if by using that system they're achieving good black grass control because of the cover crop, then they won't need as much performance from the herbicide. So, I mean, people are treating these cover crops with the herbicide and they're happy with the result. So where the performance is coming from, cover crop or herbicide, I wouldn't like to say. The final two contributors you heard from were Tom Bradshaw and Gordon Anderson-Taylor. Choosing which cultivation to use isn't a question for people who use direct establishment, and some farmers are reporting very good weed control with this technique. But is direct drilling a long-term plan for controlling blackgrass? Colin Lloyd and Andrew Cotton offer these thoughts on the matter. 
my only slight concern with all of this is that um, people look at a new concept and sell everything else off the farm. <laughs> so we're down to one system. Now, that's great if that one system can handle it all, but I would suggest it's rare, in my view, that one system fits all. And that, that to me, is the biggest concern. Because these bits of kit we're talking about now are not cheap, are they? You know, it's a lot of money, a lot of investment. And if people are selling machines off the farm to finance that, I, I, I am genuinely concerned that that's not the, the best move, really. Andrew? Uh, risk. That's mm. what we've all got to try yeah. and avoid, is high-risk situations. And I, it, it bothers me if we go religiously down a particular route... Uh, and then we get crop failure. Crop failure is massively expensive. If you look at your farm margin, that is not what you want. You want wall-to-wall -wall crops to eke out a living out of this job, uh, and also to control the black grass, because a good crop has a massive impact on competing with black grass. If, you know, and, uh, so I, it really does concern me, this whole preoccupation with direct drilling as a total farm's policy. I, I hail back, I remember in the 70s, farm, there was a farm in North Bedfordshire who, in the days of Bettinson, direct drilled for 10, 12 years, Richard Holbrook, but, um, and, you know, he could get it to work, but he was on extremely well-structured Hanslope boulder clay. We're not all on that sort of stuff, and he also ran into trouble, although he was on a calcareous clay, he ran into trouble and had to put lime on, because he would not plough. Despite the fact there was lime a few inches underneath, you know, he developed an acidity on top. So I, it, it, it can become a bit of religion, this can. So flexibility. Down, flexibility and reliability is what we're after. Thank you, Colin and Andrew. Okay, that's all for this edition of Dr Blackgrass On Air. I'm sure you've heard plenty of points to consider and think over, and if there's anything you want to share with us, please tweet at Dr Blackgrass. Next month, the focus turns to pre-emergence herbicide programmes. I hope you can join us then. Goodbye. <laughs>